Tim. Jacobs here. Welcome to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, your one-hour wad with God, your spiritual Zumba class thigh master for your soul. We are live here on 1280 KXEG, so you can always call, but you can listen to us anywhere in the world by going to the station website, 1280KXEG.com, and downloading the app. And so if you haven't done that, you have to go do that. Go do that right now. I am Tim Jacobs, pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear, Arizona, husband of a beautiful wife, father of three. I am a, a chaplain in the United States Air Force Reserve and currently recovering from a CrossFit injury. But I hope you are having a wonderful start to your new year. By the way, my friends, you can listen to any previous show by going to timjacobslive.com. Now, today we kick off the new year by moving from a half-hour show, which we started off just several months ago as a half-hour, to now a full hour, which means you can drive a little slower on the freeway, you can stay on the Stairmaster for another hundred floors, because now we have time, you and me. And you're, you're saying, yeah, Tim, and you can talk a little slower, too, which is true. And I will try to do that. But if you listen longer, I will talk slower and we'll have this wonderful agreement. But there's twice as much time now as we had before. And it's a beautiful thing because time is a beautiful thing. Now, the number to call because you are going to want to call today is 602-368-3776. We're going to check in with John Cook in a few moments, who really is, I think, the most interesting man in the world. And we're also going to talk with Ryan Bell, who is a pastor-turned-atheist who's made some news recently. I read about him in an article in the Huffington Post. And so we will be talking with Ryan, hopefully, in about 20 minutes or so, and that'll be an interesting conversation. But first, I had every intention of having New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield on the show today, and he had every intention of coming on. And Stephen is the the author of the very awesome book, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. And so I contacted him and I asked him to come on the show and he was very gracious and said yes. But here's the thing. It was New Year's Eve. And, and for some reason at the end of the month, I always get confused about the dates that happen at the next month. You ever do that? Like the dates just get jumbled in your head. And so I asked if he could come on the show January 5th, and his office got back and said, yeah, he'd be happy to come on the show January 5th. Well, I mean, I meant January 6th, but I said 5th. So yesterday I'm with my daughter, and here's the ironic part. I'm taking her to this appointment, and we had a little time before, and I needed to help her with this school project that she's doing. So we go to this coffee shop, and I and I, when I walked in, I knew going in that this place has spotty internet. It just has always had it for years, and I can't figure out why they can't ever get the internet right. But I'm like, well, it's right next to this place where she has this appointment, so let's go in. We need to get on the internet to do some studying for her project. And so I go in and I buy her a a drink because you always should buy something whenever you go to a coffee place, okay? Because if you, if you, one of the pet peeves of mine is when people go into like a Starbucks with like a glass of water from somewhere else and they don't buy anything and they take a seat and they use the internet. To me, you're not a customer, you're a parasite. 
And my daughter was even telling me about this. She was telling me about the difference between symbiotic relationships and parasitic relationships and how parasitic relationships like feed off one feeds off the other. And I'm, I'm going, yeah, you know, you are you are you have a parasitic relationship with a coffee place. If you go in there or use their Internet, and you don't buy anything. So I spend like three fifty and I buy my, my daughter this foo-foo coffee drink. And sure enough, they don't have any Internet. It's broken. And so now, honestly, I'm just I'm just mad. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going off and I'm saying, why can't people learn to remember the little things? And I'm just, I'm annoyed with the human race. I'm, I'm mad at humanity because I'm thinking, why can't people just get things right? It's the little things that matter. You know what I'm saying? And I'm feeling very offended by the human race in general. And I'm not kidding. As I'm going off in my head and I'm like, God, why am I surrounded by such moronic people that just can't get basic things right. You know, these little details. As I'm thinking this in my head, this email comes through from, from Stephen Manfield's office and they're, they're like, um, he's trying to call you. We have an appointment for, to be on the show and we, we had agreed that, you'd be on, that he'd be on the show on the 5th. And I'm like, oh. So it's a total fail on my part. And, but you know what I learned? And my wife reminded me of this because I was not very happy with myself. She says, Tim, you know, we're all human beings and we all make mistakes and we all do dumb things and you are not exempt from that. But I just found it really ironic that here I am angry at the human race for their lack of attention to detail. And yet here I am um, just completely lacking attention to detail. Well, so there you go. So I am Tim Jacobs. This is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs in its new one-hour format. Now, the number to call is 602-368-3776. And uh, I am absolutely excited about what we're going to be talking about in our show today. Um, what we want to do right now is we're going to check in with John Cook. Now, John Cook is our Middle East correspondent, and he's he is really, he's an amazing guy. The, he was born in India. He grew up in India. He, like, wrestles tigers. Uh, he's just, he's a wild man. He's been to every dangerous country on the planet. He's a missionary and he is part of, he is the founder of indigenousministries.org and we have special music to introduce John, so let's play that. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> wow. John. Hey, buddy. It's for you, brother. It's for you. <laughs> wow, thank you. So where, where are you in the world right now? Right now, uh, I'm in uh, Cannon Beach, Oregon, teaching at uh, a Bible school uh, with uh, about 160 kids here. Awesome. And, John, uh, you are the founder of Indigenous, Indigenous Ministries. I'm going to spell that I-N-D-I-G-E-N-O-U-S, indigenousministries.org. And, John, I have traveled— um, not all over the world, but I've been to some pretty dangerous places with you. And pr probably the most dangerous thing you and I did was about a year ago, you and I took a little road trip. We 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 hauled, how many bees did we haul from Colorado Springs? <laughs> there was probably over 130,000. 130,000 bees in your Ford truck with a trailer <laughs> that we yeah. drove from Colorado Springs to San Luis Obispo 
in the middle of the night, in the middle of the winter. <laughs> yep. And you have yep. like this, you have like, you, because the bees, they, they sting you and yet you love them. You, you have this unhealthy codependent relationship <laughs> with bees, John. Well, I tell you what, uh, when you see what the bee does for you, actually, even the sting is beneficial. People don't believe that, but it, it, uh, there's actually now bee sting therapy that helps with rheumatoid arthritis. So that's the, that's a whole nother topic. Yes, it uh, is. And it's, it, yeah, well, that's not a treatment I'm going to be pursuing. But John, the real thing <laughs> I want to talk to you about is I, I want to check in with you because what's happened in the news recently is although ISIS seems to be kind of on the back burner right now in terms of the news cycle, there is still a lot of work that is being done and needs to be done in regards to the refugee crisis that has occurred in Iraq and in Syria and in bordering areas there. Can you just give us a brief update as to what Indigenous Ministries is doing to help the thousands of Christians who've been displaced from their homes and are now living in refugee camps? Absolutely. Um as, uh, as people, I'm sure, have been uh, well aware of, it was in August when ISIS had uh, given the ultimatum of uh, uh, renounce Christianity, convert to Islam, uh, pay the, the tax, or face the sword. And uh, as a result of that, it was broadcast over the loudspeakers of the, uh, the mosques, and uh, they, um, there were 35,000 people just from Mosul, that uh, fled. Uh, it took 14 hours to get from Mosul to Erbil, which normally takes about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes by road. Um, so 35,000 people uh, got out of there, and they ended up living in tents, living in unfinished uh, uh, shopping malls, unfinished homes, unfinished apartment complexes. And uh, it was just a few, about, a, uh, about 10 to 14 days later, that we were on the ground assisting and coordinating with the evangelical churches, with other churches, uh, reaching out to both Christians and Muslims alike. Now, John, when you say when you say that you were on the ground, you you had literally driven through ISIS territory and you were within yeah. several miles where you guys had stayed of, of where yeah. the ISIS territory had had come up to to In, to to be with these refugees. What specifically were you doing? Uh, we were we were assisting. We were three miles away from uh, ISIS front lines. We didn't know if ISIS was going to overrun our position. It would have taken them 20 minutes to do it. Hmm. But uh, but uh, we were in Erbil at that time, assisting and helping uh, with uh, relief efforts, with food, water, just basics. Those that was our first phase. Then the second phase was bedding, clothing, uh, pillows, blankets. Uh, tents, things like this. What's the situation, then, John, what's the situation right now? Right now we're in the middle of winter, which we prepared for. We helped and assisted with heaters, blankets, and, and so forth to get them uh, to where they could at least uh, hold against the cold. It's very cold right now. Sometimes it'll even snow. But uh, we have uh, 45,000 45, pounds of clothing that is going to be arriving here in the next week, uh, and that will be distributed. Um, we are now moving the people into a third phase, and that is to move them from the tents and from the refugee camps into uh, apartment complexes that are finished. We put two families into these, uh, into these apartment complexes 
uh, overseen by a church, and people are finding the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to be real. Uh, Muslims uh, and, and others that are finding the Lord Jesus Christ to be real as a result of the churches being the church and ministering to these precious people. And so what we're doing as a ministry is we are assisting the local churches to afford uh, three to six months worth of rent. I had one of the pastors look at me and says, I want you to promise me that you'll help me raise and give me $250,000. Well, I'm going, praise God. I, you know, I'd love to do that. If, and I told him, I said, if and when God gives me those, those funds, I will give that to you because he's got over, over uh, 300 families. And you figure that's between six and 10 people per family. Now, what's... He's got over 300 families living in an unfinished shopping mall. And see, and that's what people need to understand. These families, and one of the points we made, we talked last time was, we, we think, well, these people kind of move from one messed up part of the world to another messed up part of the world. And yeah, it's sad, but really how much has the quality of their life really changed? Do we really understand oh, the magnitude? And you made the point last time that we're talking people who were driving BMWs, people who, right. who were living in very, uh, in, in urban areas that were in, in many ways, uh, necessarily more, more sophisticated, but, but had, but were very well, well developed much more than even some of the suburban areas here in the United States. And they uh, had, they rent, we were business owners, professionals, now completely having their lives uprooted. And, John, they're not going back. They have to no, start over. They have to. In fact, one of the guys that had left a complete electronics store, you and I both like electronics and the latest gadgets and so forth, that was sound electronics and this was stereo electronics, TVs and so forth. And an ISIS guy found this guy's mobile phone number and called him up and says, you left all this? He said, yes. He said, why do you do this? Hmm. He said, because I'm following Jesus Christ. Hmm. I will not give up my faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, for all that is in this beautiful store, he said, you're foolish. He says, no, I'm not. Hmm. So, I mean, these people are, uh, as you state, Tim, uh, these people are professionals. One of the families that we've ministered to, uh, he was the head of the mathematics department of the University of Mosul. Wow. Um, and they lived in a two-and-a-half-story villa and uh, driving that BMW. And uh, they, lived in a, they were living a very good life. And now today they're living in a refugee camp, and uh, the guy was making a very good income. And now he has no, there, he has no way to, uh, to make his, his living. John, but I will tell John you let me ask you this. Yeah. John, what— can because the people listening to this, they 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 hear this and they're trying to, they're trying to wrap their heart around it. They're trying to wrap their brain around it. What can they do? What can the average person driving around in their car, listening in their home, saying, "I, I they're so far away. They're, these are these are Christians. These are people who who have been who have been persecuted directly because of their faith, because of Islamic extremism." Sharia, which has come into their their land and driven them out. What can our listeners do to do anything to bring some kind of comfort to these people? Well, one of the things that they can do is they can go onto our website and donate, whatever it is, uh, and donate, because what those funds will do is they will go directly to our, our ministry partners there in northern Iraq, and assist with what is happening in this crisis. I just got a uh, I just got a uh, an email 
today. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's twenty five dollars is twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one guy wrote a check for ten thousand dollars, which we were so excited about. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, it's those little gifts uh, consistently that God uses in an incredible way. And we make sure I had one guy give me fifteen dollars from India. And uh, he says, here, I want this to give uh, to, to these people. So it's not the amount of the gift. It's the fact that we give. In fact, one of the pastors made the statement. He said, we may not remember what you gave, but we will remember that you gave. Exactly. Now, John, have you... Obviously, it was really hot a few months ago. I think it's probably going to come back around the news cycle again. But, I mean, we had the holidays. We have some other stuff that comes up in the news. And it's so easy for what's happening around the world to drop off the radar, especially when we have some domestic issues here at at home, as we have with Ferguson, New York City, and some of the other um, racial tensions and issues with with police and all that that we've had. Uh, Have you seen, is there still... Is, is the heat still on in terms of people wanting to help this effort, or has, has it kind of, because it's dropped out of the news cycle a bit, have you sensed uh, kind of a, um, a lingering or, or, I say, a lagging behind in the support? Yeah, we're, we're seeing people dropping off. Uh, the interest, I mean, the beheading of children traumatized us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, that's still happening. Yeah. Uh, we're just not hearing about it on the news. Uh, we're, we're still receiving information even today. Uh, that uh, that ISIS is still very much uh, doing the very things that uh, that have made them infamous, um, and so. But yes, we've seen people start dropping off and so forth. And so, what I'm praying is that we can re-establish uh, uh, more and more people to be part of those those smaller donations, monthly donations. Sign up for a monthly donation to be able to help with the Iraq relief so that we can actually make uh, even more of of an impact than we've made in the past. Yeah. Because that's our opportunity right now. This this crisis, uh, Tim, is going to be taking, is going to continue on for the next 10 years. Right. So we can make a difference. Right. We can. We can. And it's got to be beyond just how popular it is in the news cycle, uh, how much the, in terms of the optics and the videos that are made by ISIS and, and how much fear, quote unquote, is, is, tried to be, is tried to be put into our heads and in our hearts. We have to continue with this movement and continue to move it forward. John, so what they can do is go to your website, indigenousministries.org. They can make a donation. They can also subscribe to your newsletter. Because, John, are you planning on going back there anytime soon? Yes, we'll be going back in the next month and a half. Okay. Yeah. And- in fact, we're going to be putting on uh, a conference for women. Uh, my wife has a women's ministry, and she's uh, going to be dealing with caring for the very heart of the home. And uh, she's got uh, women that she's going to be uh, taking out of the refugee camps and spending time ministering to them uh, and so forth, as then bring them back into the caregiving situation and so forth uh, to be encouraging them. And then I'm going to be involved with, uh, uh, again, another distribution of, uh, of uh, supplies, relief, et cetera. Okay. John, I am, I am just, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to be a friend of yours, and, and you are the real deal. And you, this, and I've seen it. This whole crisis really has th- this. This goes down very deep for you, 
and you've been doing a lot of your even before all of this ISIS uh, stuff happened, even before the, the Middle East really turned upside down in this way. You've been working for years. You and Indigenous Ministries have been where you've built a, a great um, foundation of relationships all throughout the Middle East, and it's very important that people get behind your ministry and and what you're doing. So indigenousministries.net so or .org rather indigenousministries.org. John, you're now where are you? You're out in Cannon Beach. I'm Cannon Beach, Oregon. Uh, this is the uh, one of two weeks in a year that I have the opportunity of spending time with college-age young people, uh, talking with them about ministry and about missions and how to invest your life and so forth. And uh, it has been just a wonderful time of, uh, of sharing with these young people. Before I let you go, John, one thing I want to end on, before I let you go, are you— when you look at what's happening out there in the Middle East, and I know you're, you're right now training missionaries to go out into some of those places and to engage the world, uh, which is ex- it's so exciting that there are young people. So many times people think the church is dying or the church is, no you know, the young people are, are, are casting Christianity aside. You get to see the leading edge of new leaders. But when you were in Iraq, uh, are you hopeful about the gospel, about the message of Jesus, even in the midst of crisis? Oh, Tim, if I could share with you, if I could spend— 30 minutes to an hour, I I will tell you this. I am so hopeful today because we are seeing, sadly, an end of a culture that has been based upon Islam. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is taking the Middle East by storm. We are literally watching the death of Islam from its root. See, that's crazy. And see, John, you here's the thing. You say that, it sounds like a grenade, like a drive-by grenade. Wait, wait, stop for a second. That is cr- most no one's hearing that. People say, What did you what in the world did you just say? But you're yeah. saying you're seeing that, and and the individuals on the ground, even um the Iraqis themselves, the refugees themselves are seeing that, right? Yes, absolutely. In fact, one of the statements that was made by two of the pastors that I work with, they made the statement, we thank God for ISIS because ISIS has brought more people to the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior in the last six months than the last 10 years of evangelistic outreach. See, I love that because when you when you get behind indigenous ministries, when you get behind this effort, you're not giving to a sinking ship. You're not getting behind a cause that's lost. You're actually on the leading edge of what could be a massive revival in the Middle East. That is powerful because you got to remember, we got to remember, people are people, and and there are a lot of people who are going to be deceived into a lifestyle of violence and death and destruction. But there are also a lot of people who are going to see grace, and they're going to say, you know what? That's that's what I want. Not everyone's going to take it, but it's continued to be offered. It will be offered in a way that's fresh, that's new, that's exciting, and that's on the leading edge of what God is doing in the world. So, John, I appreciate you, and we got to hang out again sometime soon. Indigenousministries.org. John, thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, God thanks bless. Thanks so much, Tim. God bless you, too. All right. God bless you all. Take it easy. Now, if you, boy, make sure you you connect with John and connect with that ministry because it is awesome. Now, I want to shift gears here. And you know what? I have so much time. This is so beautiful. By the way, just so you know, I am Tim Jacobs. This is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. If you are just joining us, welcome. I'm so glad you are here with us. Glad you're spending this wonderful, perfect, beautiful Tuesday afternoon with us. At least it's perfect and beautiful if you live in Phoenix. Now, what I want to switch to in just a moment And hopefully we're going to have Ryan Bell, who's going to come on as my next guest in a few minutes. But I want to give you 
a little bit of a setup, and uh, hopefully he'll be on pretty soon. But I want to ask you a question. What would it take for you, if you're a Christian, what would it take for you to walk away from your faith? Call me, 602-368-3776. Would you walk away from Christianity? Because some people do. Some people, after years of following Christ, get to a place in life where they say, you know what, this isn't what I want anymore. One of those individuals is a man named Ryan Bell. Ryan was a pastor who got to the place in his life where he said, you know, I'm going to try a little experiment. A little experiment that's called a, uh, that he called a year without God. And he spent a year where he said, I'm going to try to live differently without God as an atheist and see what happens. Now, Mark, do we have, we have Ryan on the line? Not yet. Um, oh, we have another caller. Do we have another caller? Oh, we have. Okay. We have a caller on the line. Andy. Do we got Andy? Andy Cast, how are you, sir? Not too bad. Very good. I just wanted to respond to your call and then to, to say, too, Tim, I, I so appreciate your time that you invest for the kingdom, expanding it and encouraging believers. I say thank you for that. Well, I appreciate but, uh, that. Well, the question, the question, what would I trade? There, there's nothing. There's nothing that I could trade for my eternal life. Nothing. Nothing. So I, I don't understand. You know, once, once a person is, is born again, the Holy Spirit comes and resides, how can you give that up? It's a different taste. I, I did the comparison yesterday. Ice milk versus an ice cream sundae. There's no comparison in the difference. The richness of a life with Jesus Christ. Wow. How can you compare how could you give that up? Well, that's what makes it so interesting, and that's why I'm hoping to talk with Ryan Bell very soon about this, um, because he is a was a, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor who spent in the entire 2014 year living as an atheist, according to the article that I read out of Huffington Post yesterday. And he, as it says here, and I quote, after chronicling the last 12 months on his blog, Year Without God, Bell, who now works as director of community engagement at People Assisting the Homeless in Southern California, announced in an interview with NPR that he no longer believes in God. And I'm really curious to find out, well, let me ask you, you this, how much is behavior important when it comes to believing in God? Does behavior really matter? Can you behave your way out of belief? Well, I think, Tim, there's a couple of questions that I'd like to have asked. To think the question, number one, what was the, the turning point in his life when he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, when he came into salvation? And then what was the point that turned him away? I mean, mm-hmm. was, it, was it really there? He was a pastor, I understand that, but where, how do you lose that? I, I mean, I can tell you the date and the time when, when I was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't understand how that, that could be changed. That would be my question. Behavior, you know, human beings, we can act and we can pretend. Uh, we were even talking about that yesterday. But it's not the real deal. And how do you know? By the heart, by the actions, by the fruit. That's how we can tell. Absolutely. And I, I think it's—but it's, it's an interesting story— and it does have to do with the whole concept of, of atheism as well. So if you—hey, Andy, thanks so much for calling. I appreciate you. And uh, now, Andy, you, you know, you've got a show on, on KXCG as well, do you not? I do. I'm Monday at 4 o'clock. 
plot, Seek First His Kingdom. It's an encouragement to the marketplace ministry, encouraging believers wherever they are, wherever they work, to multiply their faith and not be ashamed of the gospel. That's awesome. Andy, um, that's great. Thanks so much for calling. Um, Andy Kist, he's on at 4 p.m. on Mondays right here on 1280 KXEG. But the number is 602-368-3776. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask it this way. What is the hardest thing for you to believe about your faith, about Christianity? What is the hardest thing to believe about Christianity? I think a lot of people say, you know, there's just, I can accept this, I can accept, but maybe it's the resurrection of Jesus. You know what? I just can't wrap my, my brain around that. I just can't believe that that's true. Maybe it's the idea that Christianity claims to be the only right religion. And it really does. To, to say anything else is really not understanding what the scripture says. But is it that? Is it, you know what? I, I, I like Jesus. Or maybe it's this. You know what? I'm sick of the church. I don't really like the church. And it's, it's the, the thing that drove me away or that would, that would drive me away from, from Jesus is, is his people. My dad always told me about this bumper sticker, and I've seen it a few places. It says, Lord, please rescue me from your followers, right? And it's true. Sometimes Christians can be just really awful people in terms of the, the, the difference between what they believe and how it's lived out. But what is it? Was it... Was it um, was it biology 101 in college? Was it something like that where you said, I just can't believe this anymore based on what I've been told about evolution? Was it a heartbreak in your life? Maybe that's where you are. But what have you seen that in someone else? 602-368-3776. But I'm gonna dive into this article because I think I think that that Ryan is a, is a thoughtful guy. He's a thoughtful guy. And he spent this year living as an atheist and um, gets to the end of the line and says, you know what, I've lived this way and I want to continue to live this way. And so I'll read a couple of things. This is from the Pathios blog, pathios.com. And he says this. He writes, he says, I began that journey, the journey of, of living as an atheist, with the question, what difference does God make? The question seems like the wrong question now. It assumes there is a God, but that's where I was. I believe that there was likely a God. Assuming for the moment that God exists, what difference does God make? And listen to this question. Does faith in God provide something that cannot be achieved in any, any, any other way? So for example, you say, well, I want to feel good. I want to feel connected to people. Well, there's people who um, hop on their Harley Davidson on Sunday morning with a bunch of other guys. And they go out into the, into the back country of Arizona, up into the mountains. You've got a dozen, two dozen bikes. We're all wearing the same leather jacket with the same patch on the back. We've all got our own individual bikes, but at the same time, we're one unit. And I'll tell you what, and I'm not in a motorcycle gang, uh, at least not anymore. But there's, uh, there, there, were you not telling me you would experience community? You'd experience nature? You'd experience friendship? You'd experience the euphoria of all that nature has to offer. So you try to get a person like that to say, well, why would I want to go from an experience where I'm with friends, I'm accepted for who I am, I get to go out and experience nature, I get a physical rush, and now you're going to tell me to go sit in a building with bricks and mortar and listen to music that's really old by people who don't play it that well and a guy who bores me to tears and has nothing interesting to say. 
And then you expect me to do that every week at the expense of my one precious day off? You expect me to do that at the expense of this experience that I could have? One of the things that hit me, because I actually, people say, well, in fact, Ryan says it in his article. He says, you know, look, Christians make the mistake to believe that atheists are these sour, dour, unhappy, nihilistic, awful people. But they're actually, in his experience with them, many of them are, are, are very, uh, very happy people. Now, you have to say, well, do, if you're a Christian, do you believe that? Or do you really think, no, they can't be happy. They must be sad. They must be dour. I believe him. I think many atheists probably are just, are just fine, are very happy. But I would liken it this way. My kids, I got three kids. My kids, my, I'll, I'll, I think of my daughters in particular. They have, they have, each they have, they have their own bedrooms. And, and my one daughter, she has this pink bedroom. And it's striped, and it's got this chandelier that hangs down. And she's got all her books, and she's got her little chalkboard, and she puts the stuffed animals out. And she likes to, it's not a chalkboard, it's more of a whiteboard. And she likes to teach the stuffed animals stuff, right? So she gives them little lessons and they're like her little classroom. She wants to be a teacher. She's eight years old and she's, so she's trying, I don't know if she gives them tests or whatever she does, but she tries to teach them stuff. And she can be in her room for hours and she is happy as a clam. And you know what? She can be as happy as a clam and she never once has to acknowledge the existence of her parents. Why? Because she is living in an environment that her parents provided for her and she is enjoying that environment. She enjoys a soft bed. She enjoys beautiful colors on the wall. She enjoys stuffed animals that were presented to her under the Christmas tree. She enjoys an iPad and beats. Yes, we got her beats. And we have to yank those off her head half the time because we say, hey, and then she doesn't acknowledge anything because she's got beats on. And, and she's got clothes and she's got shoes and she's got dolls and she's got and she we will I, I will say I'll ask her where is she and my wife will say oh she's in her room and the door's closed what she's just entertaining herself and she can be in there for hours and does not need us and she's happy why because she is enjoying that which has been provided for her now let's take the analogy I absolutely think that an atheist can have a blast in this life, can be perfectly content in this life. Because as I said before, you can go out and you can buy a Harley Davidson. Now, I don't have a Harley Davidson, but someday I hope to get one. And I want to get on that thing someday when I work up the uh, courage to ask my wife and she works up the courage to say yes. And I'm going to get on that thing and I know I'm going to feel the rumble of that engine, you know, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and hopefully I'm not going to fall over and die but I'm going to go out into the, the windy roads of Arizona and I'm going to feel on top of the world. And I can at that point either acknowledge that all of this came from something, but I don't have to. I can feel the wind. I can see the trees. I can touch nature. See, we can have, we can experience beautiful things. As has been said, even Hitler could enjoy a sunset. And so even if my children were, were not to acknowledge me, we're not to care about me. At this point in their life, I would still provide them stuff. I would still give them a place to eat. I would still serve them food. Even if they disobeyed and rebelled, they could still experience some level of comfort and happiness and yes, even fulfillment. Because I would try over and over and over again for the time that they are living under my roof to demonstrate what? Love to them. To demonstrate presence to them. 
to demonstrate happiness and joy, to teach them what it is they are to do. And I would try to show them by giving and giving and giving. And they could go throughout much of their childhood and be very content with what is in their room and the blessings that have been provided for them and never once care to obey or acknowledge me. And when they become adults, they could walk out and say, see you later. And that is the risk that we run. So it does not bother me to think that an atheist could enjoy this life, sometimes even more than a Christian. Absolutely. Now think about a Christian who goes to church and they give 10% of their income to the church because they practice tithing. And you say, well, there's a fulfillment in that and there's a joy in that. And certainly there is, but that's 10%. That's a car payment for a lot of people. That's a, that's a pool payment. That's a vacation on a cruise ship and the upper deck with a patio. That's college education. You get to spend that now. When you tithe, you invest in the kingdom. And it's, sometimes it's not always fun because you invest in a church and then it falls apart or it has conflict or you don't like it anymore. Or the pastor leaves and you're like, I gave, I gave 10% of my income for 10 years to this church and this is what I get. Or you could be like my friend who was diagnosed last week with a very aggressive form of leukemia. He's in the hospital right now as we speak. Who's undergoing chemotherapy. He's not an atheist. There's plenty of atheists that could live to be 100 years old and never have one tiny problem inside the cells of their body. Sure, there's going to there, there's be happiness. What do you think? 602... 3683776. I was really hoping to hear from Ryan Bell. And I just, it was kind of one of those spur of the moment things, kind of a last minute conversation or last minute request. I got him this morning. Um, and so hopefully we'll be hearing for him soon, from him soon. And I'd love to just ask him some of these questions. But do you, what, what do you think? What do you think? Would you be just as happy being an atheist? 602 368 3776. Does it bother you that sometimes the lives of Christians are very, very difficult? And yet, a life of a person who never acknowledges God can be just fine. One of the other things that he writes in his reveal about his newfound atheism is the fact that, that he, he, this is what he writes. He says, I recoil from a one-track-minded scientism that I sometimes encounter, although as though science has all the answers for every question that a person's ever asked. And he does this to be able to say, you know, I, I, wanna, I don't want to say that, that people who are atheists, sometimes they can be smug, sometimes they can be um, angry, sometimes they can be very, um, have a superiority complex towards those of faith. So I don't want to do that. And yet at the same time, he acknowledges that he believes that science has, become, has answered a lot of the questions that people have been asking for a long time. And he goes on in another article, in his article in the Huffington Post, to say, Christian tradition, uh, coming as I have from a Christian tradition that flatly refuses to acknowledge the discoveries of science, my faith has limited my understanding of the world and my pursuit of truth. Has your faith limited your understanding of the world and has, has it limited your pursuit of truth. See, if science can answer everything, can I ask you this? Can science answer love? 
Can science answer grace? Can science answer even the existence of faith? What do you do with that? Can, will, will science ever be able to answer why your little girl looks at you and says, I love you, Daddy, and your heart just melts? Will science ever be able to answer that? Will science ever be able to answer why a mother so deeply loves her children and why when we see a mother who does not, a mother who abandons her child or intentionally tries to kill her child, we are so revolted that we feel so deeply inside us that something is fundamentally wrong. Here's the question. Without God, what is right? What is wrong? What is truth? What is justice? What are those things? C.S. Lewis said, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should have never found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. If there's no God, why is, what is good? What is evil? If there's no God, what is light? What is darkness? You see, what I really think is a lot of people, especially in the United States of America, especially in 2015, as last week we even talked about this, how living in the world now is probably among the best times you could ever live in all of history. We had that article we talked about last week because death, the, the survival rate is going up. We're living now six years longer than we did Back in 1990, prosperity is gaining ground in every corner of the world except for parts of the Middle East. But on the whole, this is the greatest time to live in all of the world. And you don't think there's a lot of people just living in the bedroom provided by stuff that they don't, provided with things that they don't need to know where it came from. It's just fun. Sex is a great thing. You can go your whole life having lots and lots of sex with lots and lots of people. Why would you not be happy or enjoy life to some degree with that? But who provided that? Who created it? Who made it? You're living in God's playland. That's what this play, now it's broken, it's fallen, it hurts. But it's a big giant playground, baby, with a lot of beautiful and wonderful and magical things that you and I get to benefit from. And what is even more than that? is we have benefited from people who have created a society based on an understanding of God. What is stealing without God? What is murder without God? You see, you can say, well, the society has come together and has agreed that murder is wrong. And so because the society says it's wrong, therefore it's wrong. But society doesn't always make those kinds of decisions wisely, do they? How about 1940, 1935 in Germany? The society came together and said throwing Jews in gas chambers was okay. The society said ethnic cleansing was okay. ISIS is becoming a society 
that says Sharia law is okay. So because the society says it's okay, that makes it okay? That makes it right? No, I'm not sure. So you and I are the direct beneficiaries of people who have crafted a society based on the Ten Commandments, based on the Old Testament, based on the New Testament, based on an understanding of human life possessing value because it was made in the image of God. And that because of that, it, human life does not need to prove itself. A human does not need to prove their worth. They have worth simply because they exist. I ask you, where does that come from? Where does it come from? A science book? A discovery somewhere in an archaeological site? A classroom in a university? Where does that idea come from? Where do you get that? Do you realize you and I are direct beneficiaries of a society that has said human life matters because it was made in the image of God? And then that society has prospered exponentially because of that. The society has given gifts to each other economically, politically, socially, in entertainment, in art, in media, in, in every aspect. The very foundation of our economy is based on the fact that I serve my neighbor and my neighbor rewards me. Where does that come from? Show me the, show me the atheist text that derives that as a basis without anything else underneath it. Show me the atheist text that does that. By the way, this, there's one other thing that's very important, and I should give the number out because I've been on a rant. 602-368-3776. I want to call, call me because I want to talk to you about this. 602-368-3776. You are listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. This is uh, 1280KXEG, the trumpet. By the way, we are commercial free, baby. We are commercial free, which is awesome. And you can go to timjacobslive.com. That's timjacobslive.com to get any of the previous, previous shows, previous podcast episodes. But I want to make another point about this. Because as Ryan Bell, who I was hoping to have on the show today, and I'm not going to dog this guy. I'm not. Because he's not here to defend himself. So I'm really not dogging this guy. I just, I wanted to ask the question. But the thing I, th I love about Ryan's story, even though I don't love the fact that he's an atheist, but the thing I, I love about the fact that he's been so brutally honest about his story is the fact that it says a lot about behavior and the reality of behavior to influence belief. Did you know the reason why there's so many laws in the Old Testament was because the Hebrew understanding of belief was it was very behavior driven. We often say that beliefs drive behavior and they do, but behavior also drives belief. I'll give you an example. So I have a shoulder injury now due to Overexertion in CrossFit. I go to CrossFit. I am not a poster child for CrossFit. I'm a poster. Remember that? Remember that kid? 
And that, those, that old picture of that, of that seven-year-old kid who's trying to lift that bar off the ground, you know, and he's wearing like a pair of shorts and all his little like barely formed muscles are sticking out and he's, he looks like alfalfa or something like that. Maybe it was alfalfa. I don't know. That's me. Okay, that's me at the gym. I make my I make the goofiest faces you've ever seen in your life. I don't even want to look at myself when I work out. So I'm at CrossFit, and if you know anything about CrossFit, it's like the most insane workout you'll ever do. And I hurt my I hurt my shoulder at CrossFit, right? Join the club. So I'm in physical therapy trying to get my shoulder better. And here's the thing: after not going to CrossFit for like a month, I start thinking to myself, you know, maybe CrossFit isn't that great. Maybe it's working out isn't that important. And I'm starting to behave my way into a different belief. Hmm, 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 yeah. I'm behaving my way into a different belief. So if you, as Ryan Bell says that he did, spends a year saying, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to go to church for a whole year. Is it possible to behave yourself into a different belief. Hmm. Because what happened to me was I stopped doing CrossFit, and I am going to go back, by the way. So I'm just saying that right now publicly on the air. I will go back. It's just a matter of time. But you start having thoughts like maybe, maybe this whole CrossFit thing isn't what it's cracked up to be. Maybe when I was actually feeling so strong and so good, maybe I really wasn't. Maybe it was just a sham. Maybe it was just a show. Maybe I'm just, maybe I, I was deceiving myself when I was really into it. Because now that I'm not into it, eh, maybe it's not that great. That's why it's very important, my brothers and sisters, how you live, not simply what you believe, but how you live live because I absolutely believe it is possible to behave your way into a different belief. Now, does that mean that you can lose your salvation? I actually do not believe that you can lose your salvation. So personally, I question a person's faith, whether they were saved from the beginning or not. I wonder if you've really actually Really, because here's the question that, that my final and I think most important question that I would ask you since I can't ask Ryan. If you were to ever do this experiment yourself, say, I'm going to try to be an atheist before you do that, because I mean, Ryan was passionate, man. He, he's like, he went out, he chronicled his journey. He let everybody know he went public. He changed apparently changed his behavior, intentionally didn't pray, intentionally didn't read the Bible, intentionally didn't go to church, intentionally didn't do a lot of things, and lived like an atheist and told everybody about it. Here's my question that I want to ask Ryan Bell. Do you think you tried harder to be an atheist than you did to be a Christian? Do you think you tried harder to be an atheist than you did to be a Christian? So my friends, if you are to think to yourself, well, I want to try that experiment too. Here's my question. Before you do that, can you spend a year trying to be a Christian? And I don't mean spend a year being a cultural Christian. I mean, be a passionate, take no prisoners, not so. I don't mean just believing in Jesus. I mean, believing Jesus, baby. I mean, like go and letting everybody know, hey, listen, this year I am, I am just telling everybody, I am going to live like a Christian, like I never have. I'm going to do a one-year experiment. And you just 
Be vocal, man. Chronicle it. Be like that gal that cooked all of Julia Child's recipes. You know what I mean? Every single day she did a different one and wrote about her failures. And you go put your life out in the open like that and you behave like a Christian, hardcore, no compromise for a year. And see how that works first. And here's my other question I'd love to ask. Would you ever see yourself 10 years down the road as an atheist? Now, this is, why, this is a question I love to ask every atheist. Do you, would you ever do an experiment where you applied yourself to living out the Christian life and you did a one-year experiment as a Christian? You know what I'm saying? So to the atheist out there, would you actually say, you know what? I'm going to wake up in the morning and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to acknowledge a creator that is behind everything. Every move that I make, everything that I do, every trial I get in, I'm going to realize that there is a God who is bigger than me, who is moving the chess pieces. There is love there. There is power in me that God gives me. There is someone to be accountable to. There is someone who has loved me and then I can spill that love over into other people that it comes from a source. You don't even have to believe it, but just act like it's true. Would anyone ever try that experiment and then document that and see what would happen? You see, uh, I believe without a faith in Christ, I don't know where you get all this stuff from. I don't know where you get it. The number is 602-368-3776. I have five minutes left. Five minutes left on this first hour-long show of Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be an amazing year here. Next week, we've got Stephen Mansfield, author of the Mansfield Guide or Mansfield Book on Manly Men. The following week, I'm going to talk to a guy named Brad Johnson who wrote a book called The Four Laws of Forgiveness. We're going to talk forgiveness and how do you do that. And you, I want you to come with questions. I want you to come with your own personal journey, your own personal struggles with, uh, with forgiveness in your own life. And uh, we'll see what happens there. But I'll tell you something. As I said before, this certainly was not my intent and in, in, at all to, to put down um, or to criticize Ryan Bell at all, but simply I'm appreciative of his, uh, his journey and his, uh, his takeaways and his honesty. But I would really hope that now that he is an atheist, that at some point in his life he would turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to do an experiment where I'm going to live passionately like a Christian. I'm going to believe, I'm going to read the Bible as though it's actually true. I'm not going to walk around doubting. I'm not going to be halfway. I'm going to let everybody know. Even if they call me crazy and see what happens. Well, I want to remind you of a couple things. I want to remind you that our website is uh, www.timjacobslive.com. Dot com. You can go and hear any of our previous episodes, but remember, they're all going to be a half hour because this is our first full hour, commercial-free, making it happen for you. And I also want to remind you that I am the pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear, Arizona, in the wild, wild west valley, and it is a blast to be there. I would love to have you join me, visit our church, 
compasschurchaz.com is the website, and I want you to, to at least check that out. In fact, you know we have a live streaming feature? You can watch from your living room. Because you're going, man, I don't know if I go to this church. This guy, I mean, he seems kind of animated on the radio. What's he going to be like in church? Or are they going to do freaky things? Are they going to roast a goat in there? I mean, what, what, who are these people? You can watch it from the, the, the comfort of your own living room right there on the live stream at compasschurchaz.com. We've got an awesome children's ministry. We've got stuff for student ministry. We've got junior high, high school. We have tons of ways for you to connect. Listen, it has been such a privilege to be with you this week. And remember, go for it in life, okay? Follow Jesus with all you've got. Do your one-year experiment of living like a hardcore Christian. Take no prisoners and remember that Jesus came so that you could have life and have it to the full. I'm Tim Jacobs, and you have been listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I want to say thank you, by the way, to Mark, our engineer, who's an awesome guy, and everybody here at the station. Thanks for making it happen. God bless, and we will see you next Tuesday, 4 o'clock. God bless.